Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Dr. Matthew Perry for another great conversation of those things that people just aren't talking about. Today, we really focused on pain, our pain responses, and why sometimes our pain doesn't go away with traditional therapy and what you might be able to do differently about it. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Dr. Matthew Perry, how are you? Hey, Brianne, I'm doing absolutely uh, wonderful. Um, <laughs> as uh, we've been talking about, I've been dealing with some uh, vestibular stuff and you've really, really helped me uh, through that. Um, and uh, I deeply appreciate it. Um, I'm on the mend, as they say. So <laughs> better than I was a few weeks ago. Awesome. Awesome. And <laughs> funny enough, that kind of ties into the conversation podcast I recorded yesterday, which essentially would have been last week if you're listening to this now. Um, well, we really had the conversation of like why we need each other, why we need a team, why we can't just like, even as clinicians, try to fix everything on our own. Because <laughs> like, we don't know it all. <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely love it. And it's it's so funny, you know, in, in PT school, back in PT school, you know, we were taught, you know, some stuff about vestibular. And it is so different experiencing it than it was like learning about it, you know, so when we're talking about maneuvers and all of that, like, you know, I, I needed I needed the pros, I needed the people yeah. who, who are steeped in this information. So I'm lucky I have those people in my network. Well, even when you're experiencing, I used to work with a therapist. She does some vestibular stuff. I'm not a ton, but she at least knew the, knew it enough because myself and another therapist did it quite a bit. And she, it was her day off and she sends me a text. She's like, can I come in? She's like, I'm spinning this morning. She, and she had a, at that time, her first child who was like maybe six months old. She's like, I can't even take care of Berkeley this morning. Like I need help. So yeah, it's like we, when you're in that situation, it's hard to really be able to test yourself and assess yourself and really figure out like what to do. It, abs- it absolutely is. And so, yeah, um, having a team, whether, you know, you are a strength coach and have other strength coaches in your network or a physical therapist and have other physical therapists in your network, you need to know when, where your limitations are. And uh, when I'm spinning um, like crazy by laying down, that is my limitation. (laughs) (laughs) But silver lining, silver lining, I am learning a lot more about the vestibular stuff. And I really hope in the future to be able to uh, help other patients, you know, with uh, future patients with uh, vestibular disorders. Yeah, it's a great thing to learn. Like, did I, was that the majority of my case slow when I was working in the church world? No. Is it what I see now? No, but I'm like, people deal with it. Like it's just, it happens for no explained reason, as you know, and it's just a good thing to know. Cause if it pops up, it pops up with someone. Yeah. Change, change that one person's life who you, um, you know, who you come across or two people, you know? So, um, yeah, lots of valuable, uh, hidden gems of knowledge in here. Awesome. Well, let's dive into what we actually wanted to talk about, which was not that, but fun tangent. Um, and that is kind of thinking about, about the treatment model when it comes to recovering from things, whether you're seeing a, like a PT, a chiropractor, working with a coach. A lot of times we get in this 
process of like, okay, I have pain and now my pain's gone and I'm healed and I'm cured. And then all of a sudden the pain comes back again. And I think we need to break away from this model of like, just because the pain's gone, like, is our problem 100% solved? Yeah, you know, that's a um, great topic. Like, yeah, you know, um, and, and the answer to that question is absolutely not, you know. Um, what I like to kind of talk to my patients about is, you know, there are a couple, you know, different things. There are signs and there are symptoms, right? You know, um, I think we talked about in the last, um, our last episode, like, your signs are everything that the clinician sees, whether you're a chiropractor, strength conditioning coach, PT, you know, these signs build up, you know, it's that when you raise your arm, your shoulder shrugs, you know, and, and, and all of that, um, or instability at the end range of motion, wh whatever it is. Um, the patient only feels the symptoms, though. The symptoms are typically, ouch, this hurts. You know, so, um, you know, it's really important to understand that although maybe the symptoms have dissipated, which, you know, I know um, your practice as well as mine, you know, do a great job at, at doing that. And that's why people come in. But we still have a lot more work to do with the signs of everything, get everything moving correctly. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's there's two factors at play. One. What was the body doing in the first place to create these problems but two anytime we have pain the body body naturally changes how it moves so then we develop these new patterns and so now it's like we almost have to fix two different improper patterns going on or if not more and i think that's where there's a big disconnect on like doing that next step and going further to really figure out what's going on yeah, it's about, you know, fixing everything and not kind of putting a Band-Aid on it, right? You know, case in point, you know, our patient, you know, we had a new patient. She came in with knee pain. She's been having it for years and years. And she's been limping for most of those years, you know? And guess what? She now has back pain. Surprise, surprise. You know, and, and, and of course, the patient sees that disconnect. like, oh, well, I had knee pain and now I have back pain. I don't know what's going on with me. And, you know, it's important to connect those dots for, for the patients, but also just treat the underlying causes to make sure that, you know, in a month, in two months after they finish with us, they're, they're not coming back um, for the same problem. Life happens, of course, right? But um, let's, let's try to prevent the incidence of injury as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And there, it's so true, like so many people don't connect multiple injuries or things going on as far as like, yeah, they have an ankle thing and then they have a hip thing. And it's like, well, I don't understand why like all this is going on. And, and it really is having to educate and connect the dots of like, this is what your body's doing. And, you know, we do come kind of to the chicken and the egg scenario, like did this, what we're seeing now create the first problem, you know, and trying to really break everything down and Sometimes it takes a long time to peel back those layers and really get to like what that initial problem movement issue was. Yeah, we have to absolutely dig, dig deep. And that sometimes isn't rarely in my, my practice is in the first session. You know what I mean? First session is hyper-focused on the one area and, you know, we, we look at the rest of the chain, but you know, it does take some time to really un, unwind and unravel that, you know, but that's like, 
that's a huge unfortunate um you know disconnect with the um between you know kind of how we practice and the big box kind of more typical insurance model because the pts don't typically have time to look at the rest right Mm -hmm. and if the issue was coming from the back all along but they're coming in from the knee the referrals for the knee they can't you know they can't do much with that um and so it you know really is at the patient's you know disadvantage And, and this is not speaking to any pts at all you know it's just the model that some people are stuck in where they can't they can't truly help someone 100 percent. oh absolutely like that's one of the reasons i left the insurance role because it's like yeah there's an ankle issue but i knew it was coming from the hip it's like trying to connect those dots for the insurance company without getting denied was super difficult and <laughs> and it, you know like a lot of when you're seeing how many people a week it's like do you want to spend the extra time documenting to try to get that insurance company to cover what you know needs to be done yeah i mean it's a it's a tough tough situation that we put our therapists in and then say you know as most of us are altruistic you know um want to truly help somebody if we're in that model and we we do veer off then guess what we're either not billing for stuff or we're getting denied stuff and then then our boss is getting you know angry at us for the productivity and and et cetera et cetera so it's you know, it's a lose-lose situation and it's kind of attacking, you know, unfortunately the condition from both sides. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on that, like for someone in the insurance world, like what do you think is the best kind of way around that or without putting like increased time necessarily on the clinician to document, to try to justify everything? Like what do you think is a, solution for, you know, trying to be more focused on like getting that overall cause addressed? Yeah, um, that is a um, problem that, you know, if you and I could fix, um, we would be, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, that's a very systemic, systemic issue. And I, I, I get your point with that, you know, um, I'd say first, you know, the clinician really needs to, to see is that model and is this way typical way of, of carrying up a typical in quotes, um, you know, the best thing for them, for them to be able to, to do what they need to do. Um, and so, you know, you can always go out on your own and all that, but to directly answer your question, (laughs) um, you know, I mean, I, I think in that model, if you have, you know, 10 visits with someone based off their insurance, you know, maybe you have to, do a hierarchical approach, you know, which means you're prioritizing, you know, the, the thing they're coming in for first, um, you know, and then maybe give once that is getting better, then you give them a nice, robust program for that. While you simultaneously then treat the, um, you know, the adjacent areas, right. Um, and always make sure that the clinician is connecting the dots for the patient because the patient sees these things as isolated things like you, you spoke about before, but it really is a whole body issue typically with compensation patterns, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And actually, as you were talking, I was thinking too, I think it'd be helpful too for, and I get it. There's productivity numbers that clinics want to meet, but getting out of the idea that people need to be seen two or three times a week, um, just because so much like 
someone need to really, does someone need to come into the clinic to just do their exercises? And does someone really need that much manual therapy? And the answer is no to both of those. And that if like, you really just give, give them their, well, if someone's going to do their exercises, give them their exercises, like <laughs> give them that stuff to do in between. So when you see them each and every time, you can truly get an assessment of like what progress is being made and really progress things appropriately. Cause if we're stuck at only having 10 visits, like let's maximize those 10 visits. Yeah. You know, really what's the skilled part and, you know, hopefully, you know, the, um, I, I love that the, hopefully the guided exercise program, when I said program before I meant home program, you know, hopefully that, you know, um, allows the patient to be, we'll call it 85 to 90% accurate with the exercises. They might come in say, Oh, was, was the exercise like this or like that? Answer that question. And then, um, um, and then kind of not move on, but, you know, progress, progress from there. But, you know, a, a lot of the patients who come to see me, unfortunately, tell me that when they come in two times a week, three times a week at their previous place, that they were just doing their quote unquote routine. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they were doing the clamshells and the, you know, um, leg lifts, like whatever, whatever it is. And it's for the most part unguided. They're doing their home exercise program at home. So, so yeah, why are we waste, wasting visits um, on unguided, really non-skilled, um, non-skilled things? Yeah. And, you know, and I've even asked people who have seen therapists and not really gotten results or not, maybe not making the progress I feel they should have been able to make. Like, I've asked them straight out, like, was someone watching you to kind of pay attention to what your body was doing to make sure it wasn't doing, like, any compensations or whatever? And they're like, no. So, I, and I think that's the other thing too, is if, like, why are we there to do all this stuff that we've just been doing every single visit if no one's even watching us to make sure we're doing things right? Yeah. You know, or, or you get the aid, the, uh, you know, kind of high school student or college student, you know, um, which is great. You know, they're learning and I, there's a, a you know, I, I, I value that, um, although we don't use that in our clinic. Um, but is that really everything they need, you know, is that the extent of what they need? Um, but, but, you know, hopefully, and, and I know none of my patients and I doubt your patients, uh, have that routine where it's like, okay, just, just go do your exercises and I'm going to go plug away on my computer and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, no, every session is, is, is different and has different themes because their, their function evolves yeah. right, in, in a positive direction. Yeah. I even like, just because I know how so many people function, how they're just like in their computers all the time. Um, I always have my phone with me when I'm working with people, but that's it. So like, and I'll just like pull up my app and like kind of just type some things in, but like even telling them like, I'm not ignoring you. I just need to write down what we've done. So I don't forget what to email you later. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I just know how some of the, like how it can look sometimes when you are just buried in devices. It's, it's a huge disconnect and there uh, can be a disconnect. I've always picked up on it as an athlete who got injured and I'm talking to the PT about, you know, Hey, like my athletics is my career right now. Like that's, what's keeping me in college, except, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm um, keeping me on scholarship and I'm talking to the PT and they're just chipping away on the computer. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that they were ignoring me, but I'm still like, well, like, were they listening? Yeah. You know, cause I, I know, I can't multitask. I need to lock myself in a, in a, in a quiet room for an hour to do my documentation. <laughs> well, that's something um, I always, 
Um, like over time as like just computer documentation. Okay. So I've been a therapist long enough that we were not like always computer documentation. <laughs> As Wait, there, there, there was a time before, there was a time before. There was a time before, I know, it's shocking. <laughs> and I am old enough, not saying I'm old, but I'm old enough to know that time. Um, but I remember as kind of my last several years in the insurance world, um, so many clinicians would do their evals like with the computer in front of them so they could type everything in, which I get it, it's more time efficient, long-term. I'm like, I personally hated that. Like I still had my clipboard and my piece of paper. Cause I'm like, I hate being buried. I don't like other clinicians talking to me very high, buried behind computers. I'm like, I didn't want to do that to other people. Exactly. And we actually have a, uh, a new PT uh, who's coming on board. She's been treating for about 20 years. And um, she was asking me, she was like, okay, how do you do the documentation? And I was like, okay, our documentation is quick but we use pen and paper for our evaluations so we can engage with the, per, you know, with the patient, make our notes, draw pictures, do whatever we need to do. She was like, Oh, that is such a relief. <laughs> I thought she was going to rip my head off <laughs> because it is more personal, right? You know, you can't, you, you can't draw a diagram or plot a chart and table and all that kind of stuff efficiently on a computer or as efficiently as pen and paper. Um, and, you know, it just, it gives the patient this understanding that, hey, we're here for you and we're listening to you. You know, we gotta do all this other stuff, but we're here for you. Yeah, I love that, I love that. Yeah. Um, talking about, not, okay, yeah, switching directions a little bit, I guess. <laughs> um, I do, cause I think it's overlooked sometimes or forgotten sometimes, it's like, we always think like, because I have pain or like, I have an issue because I have pain. And once the pain is gone, the issue is gone. But I, like, we forget, or people forget, or maybe they just don't know, like, there's a lot that goes into a nerve. Like, only a small portion is pain. Like, there's sensory, there's, like, your numbness and tingling stuff that happens, there's your motor control issues that come up. And so, I think that's the other side of things, or another side of things, too, is that just because that pain is gone doesn't mean that whatever was going on, say, with that neural pathway, too, is cleared up. Absolutely. You know, um, there's so many more markers of function or dysfunction um, than ouch. You know, um, as uh, Matthew Zanis said so eloquently um, back, you know, um, probably going on close to a year ago. I was going to say, it's been a while since he's joined our party. Yeah, yeah, we got to get him back on. Um, you know, pain is nothing, you know, but information, right? And that, you know, information can be accurate, inaccurate. Um, but it's, it is also expanding on that, just a piece of that information. Um, so, you know, yeah, we still need tissue healing. We still need, you know, all of the, you know, we call it biopsychosocial, right? The, not just the tissue, which is the biological, but the psychological impact of stuff, the social impact of stuff, right? And that in itself is just a little piece of, of the rehabilitation process, you know? So there's so many factors that we have to make sure we're keeping in play, you know, and, and what I kind of talk to my uh, patients about is like, you know, this is like a course of antibiotics, this treatment plan, right? You're going to start feeling better typically, you know, in, you know, one to two visits, you know, you might be pain-free in four visits, 
But just like with antibiotics, you don't just stop because you feel better, right? Because there's a lot of other things going on. And if you stop the antibiotics, guess what? You get sick again. <laughs> Bad news. <laughs> Bad news there. So, um, yeah, it's just so important to make sure that people truly understand are, are truly, you know, um, you know, buying into that program that, hey, this is this is your forever thing. And not saying you're going to see us forever, you know, but you, um, you know, you need to make sure you're doing your maintenance in order to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And even like, you know, I know kind of over the years, especially working on things the past probably about nine months now with, with the chiropractor here locally, like I know now where my compensation patterns are, were, and, and what I've seen him most recently after not seeing him for, I think a good four to five weeks, um, he's like, this is all moving really well. And so it's one of those things that's, do I do my exercises every single day? There's a couple is because there are areas I do stiffen up in and I know, but for the most part, it's like, I do, I hit all of my things that I know help me move really well, at least once a week, but it's not like I'm doing every single day. Like I'm to the point, like you should be able to get to the point that it's like, at least work on them once a week, just to kind of make sure your body's moving well, make sure no issues flare up. Um, if like still go get your massage once a month or, you know, whatever it is that helps you just kind of your, your normal self-care, but yeah, we shouldn't necessarily need to be doing like the same exercises every single day for the rest of your life, you know, type situation. Correct. You know, um, and, uh, yeah, thank you for, um, expanding on that, that kind of forever thing, you know, it is a tapered thing, but there is still work, right. You know, you can expect to do your finances, one time a year and expect that, you know, you're going to be on track with your budgeting, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I know we all go through that. (laughs) Um, you know, so, you know, it is a thing. And, and so once you do your finances one time, maybe you do it the next month, the next month, then you can maybe do it every other month and then you can get to, you know, um, you know, just tapering, tapering off to whatever you need and same with that program. But, you know, like the body, you know, and I don't always like this analogy, but it is somewhat of a machine, right? Like, you know, you need maintenance, you need to make sure you're taking care of the engine or else it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always, I always like to compare it to the car when we're talking about the body. It's like how, like most people, okay, not everybody, but most people are pretty diligent about like every, whatever's right for their car, the 5,000 miles or whatever months on like taking their car in, getting that maintenance, getting your tires rotated, like getting all the things. And yes, I understand like vehicles are expensive and you want to keep that running well. I'm like, your body's with you for life. Like you can't replace it. Like you can a vehicle if it wears out. (laughs) You're stuck with your body. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we've tried with the surgical community and all that. And there's a time and a place where we try to just give you interchangeable parts, but that has its own issues, right? You know, I can get a new timing belt in my, on my car. It'll run for another 10,000 miles <laughs> or whatever. You know, uh, we don't have that kind of longevity when we start replacing body parts. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. You know, so, um, so, yeah, you know, it is about, you know, the sticking with it. You know, really, you know, um, making sure you're intentional with your body, right? We're intentional with so many other things. We're like, okay, I was on episode five, season three on this Netflix show. 
Like, you, you know what I mean? And we're all like that. I'm like that as well. You know, why are we not even, you know, similar, you know, with, with, with our body? Cause you're right. We, it's the only one we got. Yeah. And you know, it's not hard to just add that stuff in, in your day. You know, it doesn't have to be a super long routine. It could be five minutes before you start your workout or why are you watching that Netflix show? Sit on the floor and do some things. Like I think we should bring back commercials because I think that's when people were doing better with that. I like that plan. <laughs> right? You remember that, right? You know, the fit as I was ever, you know, I was doing push-ups and stuff during commercials. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have those, like, I know during, like, when Super Bowl is always, those things always come out as far as, like, every touchdown, do, like, this movement and everything. It's like, why can't we just do that during the entire football season? <laughs> exactly, right? You know how fit we'd be? Right? I Working mean, off those chicken wings and cheese puffs? There's football games four days a week. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think we should bring that back. We should hashtag that something. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, you know, um, the, the, the maintenance and, and all of that. And then let's also get, you know, like to – you know, what a long-term program looks like, right? Um, and that's not seeing your PT every day, but, you know, you go in for your doctor, hopefully for a visit, you know, one time a year. You know, I think dentists and stuff, I should be better at it, but two times a year, you know, why, why are we not going to see our PT, you know, at least that frequently mm -hmm. or that check-in and check-up, make sure stuff's moving, moving good? Because nobody wants a cavity, Right. Every time you get a cavity, you're like, oh, I, I need to do more. I need to brush more, floss more, you know. Um, and so. So, yeah, we can extrapolate that to a lot of different things. Um, but it's, you know, making sure you're doing the work to, to check in. Yeah. And I always have that same thought, too. Um, you know, we do. Or at least we're told to do all those other things as far as like the eye doctor once a year, uh, the dentist twice a year, your physical, you know, your physicals, your blood work, all that stuff. But never in that conversation is being like a movement specialist to make sure your body's moving well too. And so it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it absolutely is. And so maybe that's more marketing that we need to do um, from the APTA and, you know, the governing bodies. Um, but there's absolutely no reason that shouldn't be happening. That's a small, small price to pay, whatever the price is um, for your health and well being. You know, um, I personally was uh, a personal story. <laughs> um, I hadn't been the eye doctor in a couple years, you know, and that's not something I should be doing. And so guess what? I had a little bit of pain in my eye. And so that's when I went to the eye doctor. And so guess what? Now I'm on like, you know, it's an eye infection. I have to like deal with all of that. I was not preventative. I was rehabilitative, you know, um, so, so we need to make sure that we're, we're doing that more. And guess what? Lesson learned, I'm going to be doing that more. <laughs> well, in all reality, would going to the eye doctor once a year stop an infection? Like, for real? <laughs> I, eye health and things like that, I am much more invested in now that I, I, I think it, it wouldn't have hurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I'm not the... Everything else I keep up on is the, the eye doctor is the one I don't like. It's when I start noticing like my eyes are getting a little more dry or they're a little more strained. Like maybe I need to get my prescription checked. So that's like maybe every three years. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm not the greatest with the eye doctor. The dentist, I'm on board. 
I'm a notorious contact wearer and I wear contacts all the time and I sometimes burn the candle at both ends and my eyes, uh, my contacts are in for a very long time. So I need to be doing a little bit more personally. <laughs> <laughs> that would help. Yeah, there's an optometrist plug. There you go. <laughs> and get your glasses on more. Yeah, yeah, glasses, which I'm wearing now for everybody in <laughs> podcast land. Trying to be good. Trying to, trying to, uh, you know, learn from my own ad- advice that I give to everybody else, right? Let's take a quick break to talk about zero shoes. You know I love being barefoot. I am barefoot as much as possible. But when you're out in public, sometimes that's frowned upon. And when you're walking around on concrete and asphalt in the Phoenix summers, it's highly unsafe. That's when zero shoes comes in handy. These shoes allow my feet to be as barefoot as possible to allow my feet to still work like they were made to work. And the great thing about these shoes is they last. They have a 5,000 mile sole warranty, meaning you rarely have to replace these shoes. And they have a wide range of options. So whether you're looking for sandals, something for casual wear, or something for your sports or work, they have you covered. You can go check them out at zero shoes. That's spelled X E R O shoes.com slash go slash get your fix PT. And you can find all of my partnerships at get your fix slash partners. And now back to our conversation. Do you ever use, um, I think we've talked about this before, but I can't remember total different subject right now, but do you ever wear blue light blocking glasses like later in the day or evening? So I actually tried that out for a little bit and I felt way better. I was sleeping so much better. Um, I've since, you know, gotten a little lazy with that. Um, I got them somewhere over here. I got to brush the dust off. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, even the eye doctor the other day was talking about the macular degeneration and stuff like that in the back of the eye that's caused by the blue light. Um, And so it, 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 you know, I, I knew about it, but I, you know, hadn't thought about it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, has that been helping you or have, do you use the blue light, right? Blue light. Yeah. So, um, I typically around like one or two o'clock, I'll switch to putting those on. Um, I started realizing, well, when I got them, I kind of just got them like anything. I, I guess I have to test out, see if it works, see if it doesn't and keep with it if it does. And definitely helped me sleep better, but I started realizing, so I've had for issues for years of getting really dry eyes, like at least by the end of the day. Once I started using those, I didn't have that issue anymore. So I, other than like if allergies are popping up. So I've re- was realized like it's the blue lights from the computer screen that is actually creating the dry eye situation. So um, I've noticed a huge change by wearing that and not having the the eye issues. Wow. Very, very good nugget. And so, cause I know you wear glasses a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the blue light glasses on top of your glasses or are they prescription? So they aren't. So my, my vision issues are more distance is where I struggle. Um, like this does help clean up anything close, but for me, I, I use it more for distance and the night driving. So um, I just kind of wear it to reduce the strain on my eyes when I'm at the computer. Um, but to put on the blue light glasses, like I can still read and see everything fine because my, my near vision is fine. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. 
So that's a really good nugget because I, I, I don't, I don't know if everybody listening, and I sure don't either. Um, so this isn't all for y'all listening. <laughs> this is partially for me too. <laughs> I, I never knew how that worked. Um, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think nearsighted as well, so I can see close, not far. Um, so that's something I can implement into my daily. daily yeah. So I don't, I don't need the glasses. I don't need the, the contacts for near stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think they do make them that you can put over regular glasses. So regular prescription. So like there is that option, but I just, it's not something I need since like I said, my, my near vision is good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's a huge nugget. You're welcome. And that's our show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Leave everyone on, on, on this note without me rambling right. anymore and like call is good. <laughs> awesome all right where do we go from here <laughs> on that i don't know if there's anywhere else we can go i think we've really touched on everything life liberty pursuit of happiness i think we're good <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah uh well one place we can kind of go it's kind of along the lines of the kind of process of recovery and, and all of that is you know the, the thing I hear and the thing I've always been told, you know, when I've had an injury, you know, from a lot of healthcare professionals, whether it be medical doctors, chiropractors, uh, PTs, is, you know, they'll do an intervention on me, maybe see me for a few visits, you know, five visits, 10 visits, whatever it is, to kind of decrease my pain a little bit. And then they tell me, well, okay, you're done with the treatment plan, you know, Good luck, have fun. And if the injury ever occurs again, you know where to find us, come back. And back then, I, when I didn't know any better, you know, it was okay, well, like that's the process and it is the process. But now that just makes me viscerally angry, <laughs> truthfully, you know, because it's like, well, are we doing our jobs as clinicians, you know, if their injuries are coming back? anything can happen and mind you like you know someone could you know walk off the curb and roll their ankle again and now they're back to see you you know but is that really where we should be leading people is that the goodbye you know yeah that's where i something i've really and i fully own like i used to be that therapist because that was the model and that's what i knew and then i started realizing like why are people getting injured all the time um <laughs> But the, yeah, there is that whole, and especially like, yeah, it is one thing if it's a trauma and it's like, it was one thing one time, it's no thing next, but like they just fell or whatever. Um, even rolling your ankle, like chronically, like even that, then we have to start looking at like, what are we missing? What part of that neural pathway isn't working right that we are still weak and, and lacking that control there. Um, but yeah, like we're seeing these injuries over and over again, people coming back to us over and over again things are being missed in the whole pro process of things. Yeah, uh, and, and, and that's really what it is. And it goes back to the whole kind of treating the whole body because if these things keep occurring, you know, it might not, <clears throat> excuse me, it might not be the tendonitis in the leg or whatever the case is that is the actual problem. It's the compensations up the chain, down the chain. And so getting at the root cause, hopefully, you know, um, gets, gets people, um, obviously out of our clinic faster 
you know, which is a good thing for everybody. And also preventing future recurrence of, of, of stuff, you know, but I, I know in my clinic, you know, we, you know, we like to not only get people back to function, but then we're overloading them and overloading is a strength conditioning term for everyone listening. Um, it's called progressive overload. You are exceeding the amount of load that you would probably have in everyday life or in your sport or whatever. So your body can adapt to that. So you're really at 120% as an arbitrary number. So that when you are doing your sport, doing your activity, you're only, you know, you only need 95% of that, you know, um, cause that's making them quote unquote bulletproof. Right. And that's not actually stopping bullets. Everybody that is just, you know, I disclaimer, <laughs> <laughs> you're making them stronger than much more stronger than when they came in. Take the disclaimer on this podcast. Disclaimer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> there was something I was going to say now that threw me off. <laughs> we have so much fun here. <laughs> we do. Um, yeah, that's part of the big reason that now a lot of my messaging and is really around like break that injury cycle. Like you're stuck in this injury cycle because some like there's some root cause that hasn't been addressed and that even if you're addressing the pain through whatever you're doing in therapy, you're still just addressing the symptom and really diving deeper to figure out that cause is, is what's going to break that cycle. Yes. Breaking the cycle is a great term for that because people fall into this injury cycle. You know, um, you and I have uh, worked with people who have had, you know, one injury and that seemed to cascade this whole slew of other injuries right mm-hmm. um and and they they become just you know dysfunctional after dysfunctional and you know until we can break that we really can't um um you know can't do a, a whole lot because they're just they're spinning right yeah um, speaking of vertigo and vestibular issues spinning. <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's like Obviously, we don't know someone's whole story. We don't know if they've told us the whole story or not. But I think, too, like just continuing to dive deeper and figure, like, know if there's more to the story is helpful. Um, I had a client of mine recently who we had been uncovering quite a bit of stuff as far as like his foot and ankle stuff was more caused by his right foot and ankle was more caused by his left hip. And like he came in one time, he goes, so I've been he goes thought about something. He's like, just to bring it up. There was a job he had for quite a long time, years ago, that he was carrying heavy things pretty much all on his right shoulder and everything he was doing was pivoting to his left. And so it's like he was just ingraining these constant patterns all the time um, and creating a lot of just movement pattern compensations throughout his entire body, which had created a lot of other issues. And I think we... I think sometimes we don't dive deep enough to really like figure out like what else could be going on, especially if we don't finding solutions or we aren't getting results. Like, I think we need to be better at diving deeper of like what's truly going on with this individual. Yeah. Do we, do we write them off as this like just, Oh, they're a complex case. Oh, that's just how it is. And, you know, can't help you, you know, or do we use, you know, what, most of us have been trained for for years and years 
um, as well as clinical experience when they're out there in the field to really get to the bottom of the problem, right? It's this critical thinking and clinical reasoning, you know, that, you know, that we have master's degrees, doctorates, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, if, you know, if, if we didn't need to use that, we just kind of write people off, you know, we would have a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree in, in this, you know? Um, but that also takes more work. And, you know, um, some, you know, some people are, and I, I love our profession because a lot of people are making the strides to take that extra step. Um, but, um, I should say it, it takes more work as well as more time with the person. Mm-hmm. So, um, you need both of those things in order to, to adequately diagnose and treat what's the, the cause of their issue. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. How do you go about having having that conversation? Because I know it can be tough for people to connect the dots on like, but my pain's here. Like, why are you addressing my opposite shoulder? Like my pain's in this area. How do you go about having those conversations with people to really help them connect the dots in between like why this is called, why X is causing Z? Mm, That's a good one. And that's something that uh, we've really refined in our practice. And it's part of the teaching is the teaching, empowering, resolving, and trying to get hyper- clear on how we can explain that to a patient. Um, you know, first I, you know, do whatever I can to really take these complex things and boil them down and use analogies and really explain to them what, you know, um, what is going on. The other thing is I always tell them, I I can show you better than I can tell you, Mm -hmm. you know, so we'll, we'll use, you know, you know, video stuff. Luckily on our iPads and stuff, we have the opportunity to use slow motion, so a patient can see it. You can go frame by frame and show them their compensation. Because, you know, they're not trained in this stuff, you know, or most aren't. Um, so, so that's what we do. We're also incorporating um, uh, 3D motion analysis now into our practice so that we can show people asymmetries, you know. Um, it's just another way of, of, of teaching, right? Because um, if you don't know what's wrong with you, it's going to be very, very hard to, to help yourself and fix yourself. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's perfect. I guess it's a lot of what I do in virtually it's, you know, I'm getting video or, you know, showing them video of how they're running or whatever movement they emailed me and like really breaking it down as far as like, this is where you're still compensating. Um, Cause yeah, I think once people like really see it and then understand what's going on is, is huge. Cause I think, so many, like you watch, I know you stand at the gym and watch people. It's like you watch 10 people move and one of them might actually be moving properly. So just the normal person who's going to the gym and doing stuff, like they don't know what a movement might actually is supposed to look like. Nope. They sure don't. They, um, they just know that that's how they've moved yeah. or they've always known that, oh, I have tight ankles. I have loose ankles. You know, that's kind of the end of the end of the story. And yeah, you know, like, I do believe that learning should be experiential, right? You have to experience that, you know, case in point, you know, all of us with our parents, when we were younger, they tell us, Oh, don't, don't do this, you know, cause you're going to get hurt, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, ah, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> I know better than you. <laughs> We've all been there, whether you want to admit it or not. And then guess what? You do it, you get hurt. You probably don't tell them cause you don't want to hear that. You know, say, I told you so. Um, but you experienced it now and guess what? You're not going to 
put your finger in the light socket or whatever the case is like again hopefully most of us aren't doing that but <laughs> you know like <laughs> it uh you have to feel it you have to understand it in order to to make the change mm-hmm. and i always question my people as far as like once we correct the movement pattern and it looks good like we'll do a couple reps and then i'll like, i'll flat out ask them like what do you notice Cause I really want them to be able to connect the dots of like, when I'm doing it right, I'm feeling this and really get an understanding. Cause I think that helps that in my opinion, I think that really helps set things in. Yes. Yes. They have to, they have to feel it. They have to um, start saying, Oh, I noticed that when my shoulder wasn't in a good position, it hurt. Mm-hmm. They have to say, Oh, let me restart these reps because like I knew my position wasn't good. Um, and so, I mean, that's what all contemporary research is like telling us as far as motor control anyways, you know, is that you have to kind of go through that spectrum where we're giving you all the cues. No, do it like this, do it like this, do it like this. In the beginning, we back off of that in the next kind of stage of learning. And then we shouldn't have to do anything. Um, just kind of watch you for the, for the last part, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's essentially you know, you and I both like our big thing is helping people to become like independent with this. So they can truly in the future, not that things aren't going to happen, but it's like, oh, I'm starting to feel this. Like, let me like assess and kind of figure out what do I need to do to correct this issue and just make them a lot more empower them. I guess that's what I wanted. Yeah. Empowerment is so important. Um, because yeah, you know, we don't want people reliant on us. We want we want people coming in for check-ins for different things or like to brush up on stuff, you know, as we need to do with everything else. But, you know, we shouldn't need to be seeing them for a year and still seeing them for two times a week, mm-hmm. you know, um, if we're doing our jobs correctly, from my opinion, uh, I'd say from our opinion, you know, um, so, um, so the the intrinsic learning is is everything but at the same time people need to be at that place where they want to do that mm-hmm. um, which is the next you know the next barrier of that yeah and i think i think that's also and now that we're kind of diving deeper too is i think that could be part of the issue with with the insurance world is like how many of those people don't really want to be there, but are there because their doctor sent them or are there because they, I know like certain locations of clinics are high, like disability population and they're simply coming so they can still get their disability payments. And so I know there is a lot of like other issues where people aren't fully bought in. Um, So there are a lot of things there um, that people do have to play with. But um, like if someone's truly like wants to get better and is bought into area. If someone truly wants to get better, it's like, let's do the right thing for them. Yeah, and that's where we come in, right? You know, I know you see a lot of people who have failed the traditional healthcare system, whether it, you know, with whomever it was with, um, and, and, and likewise. And so by then, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens, but that person is like totally like ready to get their problem fixed because they're tired of wasting time, money, effort, you know, I mean, all of that on their, on their condition. And um, that's what I really value about my patient caseload is because, you know, most of the people are, yes, like 
what you're saying is makes sense and I'm committed to doing it and let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just wish we could get those people before they have all of these negative experiences yeah. <laughs> and years and years of issues. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I know, I'm sure you get it too. Me personally, I'll get people who are like, I wish I would have done this sooner. Like, cause either they've just been doing it on their own or yeah, they went through all those experiences with other people. And it's just like, I should have committed to this a while ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Yep. Um, I would say probably 90% of our people say, you know, something like that. And, and you know, it, it's fine. And we're not blaming anyone. You don't know what you don't know. Oh yeah. Um, you know, um, but I think that's the big need for a platform like your podcast and like, you know, everything you're doing with your blogs to really get information out there showing people that, Hey, it, it can be different. You know, you can go see someone who has this step-by-step approach of how you're going to get better. And we're monitoring that, right? It's not a wait and see after 10 or 20 visits. It's like every step and every session where we're, we're monitoring, adjusting, testing, retesting. Mm-hmm. On that note, how soon, I mean, obviously we can't fix everyone. Sometimes there's other issues going on or it's just out of our, you know, our specialty, how soon are you referring out? Like if you aren't seeing progress? Great, great question. Because yes, we need to know our limitations and when, when we can't help somebody. Um, well, typically um, it depends on body part, um, of course, but uh, typically uh, with back pain, if we see no change um, in uh, about three sessions, three to four sessions, um, that's when we'll, we'll start to kind of look at our other options. And I'm talking about no change at all, not necessarily patient reported um, change, but if we don't see any difference in mobility or strength or, or anything like that, that's typically when we'll do that. Um, shoulder pain, probably um, um, about at that, you know, time too. So I would say generally, yeah, three to three to four sessions. Okay. Cool. How about yourself? It's about the same. Yeah. Like if I'm not seeing anything by then, then it's like, we need to get, you need to go see someone else, see what's going on, get tests done, something. But um, I only ask, cause I know, I know I've talked to a lot of people who are like, they've gone to therapy for three times a week for four weeks and I've made absolutely no change. And like, in my head, I'm like, why is a, like, we shouldn't be doing that as a, a clinician. Like, we should be seeing progress, maybe not pain-free, but we should be seeing progress within like some, yeah. two to three visits. Yeah, some, some sort of progress. And, you know, again, we can't always go with patient reports because, you know, pain is a very complex thing. And someone who's had pain for a long time typically, you know, relates, uh, you know, the improvement, incremental improvement a little bit more poorly than other people. Um, but yeah, if we don't see any improvement, then, you know, they're, you know, not only can we not help someone, but we need to get them to somebody who can do some imaging, et cetera, to make sure that there's not something more sinister. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. You know, um, I uh, read a thing a while ago and it said uh, PTs actually are some of the best people to detect cancer in, in patients. And I'm not saying we all do it 100 percent, but because we're spending time with people, we're seeing those little bits of improvement or not improving that we can refer out and then get them the help they need mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. So. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, it, it's, it's a good point. Cause we are with, like, we do see those changes or not see those changes more often than just kind of what some, someone else would. 
Yeah, physical therapists and chiropractors, right? Both of us, you know, typically see people more frequently than the other professions mm-hmm. um, and spend more time. So um, that that is a great thing that our profession is doing um, in figuring out what we can and what we cannot treat. Yeah, super interesting. Well, cool. Well, Matt, to start wrapping it up here, um, I know you've done a lot of work. People can find you. But if you haven't listened to our previous conversations, go back and listen to them. And if you haven't, go ahead and introduce Where can people find you now? <laughs> Even if you've listened to our previous stuff, go re-listen to it. And... <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no. um, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, Brianne. Uh, you can find me um, at, if you type in Autoness Physical Therapy, that's A-U-T-O hyphen N-E-S-S, Physical Therapy, committed to your autonomy, happiness, and wellness. As we've discussed here in this whole podcast, you know, we're trying to just get people um, the help that they need and get it sooner rather than later. Um, so, yeah, all the social medias, um, you can find me at antherapies.com. Um, and, of course, drop me a line if you want to talk about this a little bit more, everyone in podcast land. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. And we will definitely do this again soon. Thank you so much for having me on. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation today. And before we close out, I want to share with you a program I have called Resilient Shoulders. As OCR athletes, shoulder issues are very common. And if you are like most athletes, you use the lacrosse ball, you stretch, you do all of these things to try to improve the mobility of the shoulders. And yet you continue to have pain. Many times it's because the right things are not being done to really solve those problems, those underlying issues. And that's why I created Resilient Shoulders. Resilient Shoulders is an online platform that gives you the necessary things to do to resolve your shoulder issues, as well as minimize the risk of more issues happening in the future. So head over to getyourfixpt.com courses to check out the Resilient Shoulder course, as well as my other online programs. And once again, thank you so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And now let's go out and be highly functional.